0: Hey there, thanks so much for tuning in to the City Light Church Podcast. We're so honored you've joined us. We hope that today's podcast brings you hope, encouragement, and most of all, adds value to you in your walk with Jesus Christ. We long to see people grow from where they are, closer to where God desires them to be, and it's our hope that this podcast is an essential element in that process for you. So, grab a pen, your Bible, and a journal, and let's dive into today's message.
1: Amen if you'll amen me about every minute and a half, I'll be done with this in seven or eight minutes because amens just get my engine roaring. So John 6:51. I'm reading now the CSB for a little bit longer. We'll be with the CSB version. Um, I like it. I like it, but I also like some others out there. And, um, amen. Here's how it reads. I am the living bread that came down From heaven, if anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. The bread that I give for the life, the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Father, thank you for the scriptures. Thank you so much for allowing us to step back into time, into this Jewish culture, to see who you are and how it impacts our life today with these eternal truths. In Jesus' name, and amen. I love this um, chapter, this particular verse, uh, this this context that's going on. There is this healthy debate. There's this tension between Jesus and the Pharisees or the religious people of the day, and uh, there are um, they're standing on the peripheral. They're provoking the the masses who are following Jesus uh, because of bread and not miracles when you read the context you get that jesus is actually doing powerful things the kingdom of god has come near um you know saved healed and delivered saved in our salvation healed in our body our minds our emotions and delivered in the spirit we're delivered from the bondages of this life and the spirit world we're set free completely set free the kingdom has come near and they are after bread. And that's that whole context. They're after literal bread that Jesus has done this miracle. And there's this healthy tension going on in this conversation. And somehow in this, they're focused on the manna that, that Moses gave them in the Old Testament. The manna that fell. You can read that story. But it, God, uh, Jesus says, it's not Moses that gave that, but it's my father. And, and in this, Jesus is trying to get them to understand that it is bread you're seeking that is temporal, but what you should be seeking is the bread that lasts forever. He, in verse 29, he gives us the context of this. He says that this is the work you should do, and that is believe. In verse 35, he says, I am the bread of life. Jesus told them, no one comes uh, to me will ever hunger again, and no one who believes in me Will ever thirst again. So he's clearly giving you the context of what he is um, is speaking on regarding this bread. And verse forty, he says um, uh, that everyone who sees the sun and believes in him. Now there's an action there. So there is that noticing, and then there's an action of believing. He says they will have eternal life. So he's clearly focused on. The bread is believing and acting on him. Are you with me? Amen. So, because I am a, if you will, if you divide the Christian in half, a Protestant um, preacher, most Protestants do not believe in the doctrine of transubstantiation. And that is that when we receive communion, the bread is his body, the, the cup, the wine is his blood. We are literally receiving Jesus. That doctrine is pulled out of this passage and i'm actually mentioning it because this passage is about believing verse 40 he who sees the son and believes on him will have eternal life it is an action word it is a covenant of action here that that this is pointing us to it's not pointing us to eat jesus flesh and drink his blood in a literal sense. In fact, you don't even see any of this that you see at the table in Matthew 26, 26 that Jesus gives us this covenant when he gives an illustration. So it's gone from allegorical to literal that this is literally becoming jesus body and blood it is not it doesn't happen when they when when somebody sanctifies the bread and the juice or the wine and it becomes somehow the blood and and flesh of jesus um, the body is actually physiologically the body's not designed to drink blood your stomach will expel it it's, so it's, it's, it doesn't, there's no physiological uh, basis for this. There's no theological basis for this. If you truly are rightly dividing the word, what you're seeing is that Jesus is saying the bread here is to believe. It is an action word. This is part and parcel to everything we see in the, the word of God. In fact, last week I let off, uh, I, I was talking about James 1. James just simply says that you are to be doers of the word and not hearers only. And then he uses some strong language. He says, deceiving yourselves. In other words, you're deceiving yourself by coming, by hearing the message and by walking out and only hearing. Right? That's, that's what the scripture is saying. Be better if you didn't hear. You wouldn't be held accountable for that. But James says, get busy doing what you've heard and act on it. In Acts chapter 2, we see the advancing of the church going out. In verse 42 of Acts 2, it simply says they did these four things. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, or we call it relationship, to the breaking of bread, and we can all amen that, and to prayer. So, there was action to the movement of the body of Christ. So, in the early church, what they received was the gospel. They received the good news that it is no longer God hiding in a synagogue or inside of the temple behind a curtain. That the the veil or the curtain's been ripped and the Spirit of God has now been poured out. Jesus the dove comes down. The form of the Holy Spirit comes down in the form rather of a dove. And he had anoints Jesus. And, and we have that blessing I just referred to of it. It was the outpouring of the Spirit on Pentecost that Jesus said, go and wait for that in doing of power. Now it's God in you from the Old Testament is God with you or, or God Uh, for you to the, uh, to the gospels, God, Emmanuel with you. Now it's the Holy Spirit, God in you. Are you with me? Say amen. Amen. So he's in us to do a work through us. Amen. Somebody, you can be, you can be sanctified outside of that. As the Testament was through the sacrifice, the blood covenant sacrifice that took place at Calvary. Now in the Bible, we see a couple of different covenants. One is an Um, The blood covenant and another one is a salt covenant. Now, i got to be honest with you. Uh, my wife opened up one of her grandma's um, um, uh, Bibles or her mom's Bibles, and um, it was a brand-new Bible that her mom had, and she just randomly flipped to this page. And all day last week, I was looking for this the, the completion of, of this message and how this is going to fit together, and she starts talking to me about the Salt Covenant. I've got to be honest with you. I've read over this. I've read through the Bible several times, and I've read over this, but it has never it never rang out and until the other night. This, this covenant of salt stuck out at us. And it is an amazing thing because Abraham... There's several covenants going on, but Abraham, we have a blood covenant that Abraham has given to us. And literally Abraham took these animals, split them in half. And then in the night watch in a dream, God comes down, meets Abraham and takes the sacrifice of these animals and establishes a blood covenant with Abraham. Are you with me? Say amen. Now, in the New Testament, we have Calvary, which is the covenant of that blood sacrifice. This was now long, no long, longer. A sacrifice of pushing back the sins of humanity, but Jesus came and once and for all dealt with the sins of humanity, past, present, and future, when he shed his blood on the altar in heaven, and that covenant he did. See, in the Old Testament, Abraham's covenant with God, in the night, God performed the covenant and swore by himself. And in the New Testament, Jesus died on the cross and finished the covenant, he did it himself. It was God's covenant with us. We had no part in it. But there was another covenant in the Old Testament called a salt covenant. i got to be honest with you. This was a new covenant to me. I've read this, and, and Monday night, I'm like, what was that? And we were both intrigued, and I said, you... She I said, you're fooling me. You're, you're pulling my leg. I don't think I've ever heard this before. And she said, no, 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 this says right here. And she read these scriptures like, yeah. So I went back and started studying this. And it was exactly what the Lord had been dealing with me about. No longer spectating, but participating. The salt covenant was a covenant, not where God did everything, but it was a covenant where we said, God, you do your part and I will do my part. It is a covenant that we walk in today. Listen to these scriptures in the Old Testament, Numbers 18, 19. I give to you and to your sons and daughters all the holy contributions that the Israelites present to the Lord as a permanent statute. It is a permanent covenant of salt before the Lord for you as well as your offsprings. Second Chronicles 13.5, don't you know that the Lord God of Israel gives the kingship over to Israel to David and his descendants forever by a covenant of salt? Isn't that amazing? Leviticus 2.13, you are to season each of your grain offerings with salt. You must not omit from your grain offering the salt of the covenant with your God, you are to present salt with each of your offerings. It is an amazing, amazing study when you go back and look at these offerings and this covenant that God says, put this together. Now, here's what the covenant actually looked like. So they took bread. When they would take this salt covenant, even between men and before God, they would, they would take bread and then they would take salt. And I'm sure they used King David's kosher salt. That's I'm sure they did back in those days, right? Because that's who, who would not use King David's kosher salt. And they would take salt. And what's fascinating about the salt is it came in these granulars, just like this. Heavy granulars. And they would crush the salt. And they would pour it over the bread. And then they didn't cut their bread like we did. So we suspect. I made these nice little cuts for you. They would take the bread and rip it apart. And then they would share. They would take that salt and that bread And they would share that hot bread with that salt melting on it. And they would eat it. And and that covenant, they would consume it. And the covenant simply says this. I brought the bread. You brought the salt. We put it together. We eat it. And it's no longer able to be separated. And it was the end of the world if you were to break this covenant. Now, when we go into Scripture... We actually see where Jesus says to us, Matthew five, thirteen: You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. When salt had lost its effectiveness, they would take it and they would toss it on the roadside. And people would walk over that. And it raised the pH level, if you will, of the, the dirt around it. Nothing could grow on it. The roads were, uh, they, they were hardened. And people would step on this thing that God had meant to bless folks. You see, here's the interesting thing. We have salt and pepper on our table. The world will go on if we never have pepper but we cannot live without salt. We have to have salt for humanity. It's part of who we are. When Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth, he is saying that God came down in the form of man. His name was Jesus. And he said, I am the bread of life. John 6. And from that point on, men have been trying to manipulate who Jesus is. They've been trying to manipulate the theology of who Jesus is. They've been trying to manipulate what God can do for them. On that day, they chased Jesus around for the bread, not the miracles. And He knew it. And still men are chasing God today for what he can do for them. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. In Matthew 26, 26, we'll receive this covenant. He actually says that my body was broken for you. Take and consume it. And we try to tie these scriptures together. But one is a blood covenant that we say we have nothing to do with. When we receive communion during worship or during our prayer time, 9.15, you guys need to be here every Sunday morning, 9.15 to 9.50 or so, you know, just pray with us. We receive Communion sometime there as a group, and here during worship, I see folks go get Communion and take it. What you are doing is you are celebrating a covenant that God established with you, but you didn't do anything. That covenant stands. Jesus' body was broken for your healing. That covenant stands, whether you do anything or not. You don't have to earn it, there's nothing you can do. You receive that cup, that juice, That's a covenant of the remission of sins by the blood of Jesus Christ. He did that. You did nothing. You say, well, you know, I I quit smoking. I quit joking. I I quit jumping, roping, and I stopped doing a lot of things. You, You did nothing for that. It was all done in heaven. You were a recipient of a covenant that God did for you. I am the bread of life, Jesus says. But when he said, you are the salt of the earth, he is saying, I've done my part, and now I want you to co-mission with me and pour yourself out on me so that the world can eat of me and know that I am good. And without the salt, it did not have its effect. What the Lord is saying to us this year is, I no longer want you to attend City Light as a spectator. I want you to hear the message that I've put in the heart of a flawed individual called PK, (laughs) Pastor Ken. And that message is that you are the salt, that you must participate. It's time for you to say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to dedicate myself to the apostles' teaching. I'm going to go back and I'm going to make Bible study a necessary part of my life. I'm going to find a discipleship group I'm going to be a part of a discipleship group. I'm going to be a part of some form of of, of systematic study of the Bible. Not just a random devotion, systematically studying the Bible. They gave themselves to fellowship. I'm going to make relationship a key in my life. I am intentionally going to start or attend a city group. I am intentionally going to invite people that I don't know to my house to share a meal for the opportunity of witnessing or sharing Jesus or showing them an act of love. I have no longer just going to hear about testimonies that people have done and, and what they have done and how they have seen God work in their lives and through their lives, but I'm actually going to participate with the Holy Spirit saying, I have no expectation. I don't feel like I am sent to raise the dead or anything. I am simply going to do an act of of service as the Lord provokes me. I'm going to open my home. I'm going to open my car. I'm going to open my life in some way, shape, form, or fashion and I'm going to build healthy relationships that I might win some to Jesus. I'm going to become salt. I am going to break bread. I believe that this is not only in the full spectrum, it is not only celebrating the covenant that God has established with us, but I believe it is about sharing and about giving of myself. In this this time, in this New Testament time, they would bring, the Bible says they sold, verse 45 of Acts chapter 2 says, they sold their possessions and their property and distributed to all who were in need. They were breaking bread. They were sharing their resources. What would it look like this year if you become the salt a resource for God, where, where he says, I want to use you. I want to use your paycheck. I want to use your home. I want to use your energy. I want to use your time. I want to pour you out like uh, uh, in the Old Testament, a drink offering. It, it was just to be poured out. That's all it was for. I want to pour your life out. What would it look like if you reserve a percentage of your life and gave it to the Lord and said, I'm going to share this. I'm going to break this bread and I'm going to share it with those that are in need. What would it look like if you made discipleship front center in your life? And lastly, they devoted themselves to prayer. Everything that that is happening here in this early church is salt. It is their part in the equation of signs and wonders and miracles happening. It is so easy to sit back in the back and say, miracles don't happen. Have you ever gone after miracles? Have you ever chased God and said, I'm putting you to the test? You're the God of abundance. You can do great things. Miracles do happen. Oh, yes, they still do. do. It's not uncommon today. I tell this story, but it's not uncommon today to sell a house and somebody offers you 10, 20,000 above it. What, you know, and and they get in these bidding wars. That's not uncommon. But when it happened to me, Around 1994, it was uncommon. I put a bid on a house in one city, my wife and I. Paul and I were living in a city, and we said, Lord, we felt like you're calling us to Ocala, but we want to buy this house, and we're trying to figure out if this is you or not. If this is you, um, don't let this bid go, go through. And so we put a bid on this house, $1,000 a thousand dollars under asking, and we, you know, back, looking back, that was foolish prayer, right? The owner rejected our offer, so we asked the realtor. I said, "Well, did he counter?" She says, "Nope, he didn't want to even entertain it." And she says, "But the the deal is so close, I'm willing to help make up the difference. We can make this deal work." And I was afraid to say, what do you mean? My wife would slap me in the head because we clearly knew it was God. <laughs> I didn't even go there. I said, okay, okay, no, no, no thank you. I said, okay, Lord, we, we clearly hear you. We left, we moved here. We bought a house that was tens of thousands of dollars under value at the time. Stayed in the house one year and sold it for $10,000 above asking price. That was unheard of at the time. Sold it, no realtor, just, just an individual came along. Unbelievable. I tell that story for some random reason. Somebody in this place or somebody listening online needs to hear this. That God is a God of abundance and when he wants to show off, he'll show off. Yes. And he loves providing for his children. And all I can say is this, is that we left our life in his hands and we, we picked up everything and at the obedience of the Lord moved and sat down in this city years ago at the, at the voice of God, at the obedience of God. And he says, man, look at my children participate. Yes. They're not just spectating and listening to the good things that I can do. They're participating. They're moving in action to my word. They're doing what I've asked them to do. And this year, it's a matter of putting salt on. On your life, on your sacrifice. Put yourself in it wholeheartedly. Go after it. This year, say, where are we just where are we just spectating? Is it in the area of fellowship? This year we're gonna put fellowship, we're gonna put relationship back into our world. We're gonna begin to pour ourselves out to other couples. Is it teaching? Has it just been hit and miss a Sunday and that's basically the dose of Bible you get? That's the dose of His Word and the dose of of studying His mandates and His fellowship with you? Is that it? Just a devotion here or there? Maybe a Sunday here or there? How about making that center point in your life? How about saying, I am the salt in this and I am going to study what He said to me and to my house. I'm going to share the voice of the Lord through His Scriptures. What about breaking of bread? Yeah, that could be in our homes and that could be sharing a literal meal. But what about provisions being broken? You know, when Jesus took the bread, the Bible says He took it, He blessed it, He broke it, and then He gave it. What would it look like if you allowed God to take something of yours? What would it look like if you said God I give you my finances I completely surrender this year and he reaches down and he takes it you know what he's going to do he's going to bless it and then you know what he does he starts breaking it what do you mean pastor I don't want to go through a breaking he breaks it he begins to share it you think about this at the table of communion Jesus broke the bread and gave it to 12. That bread went through a breaking. Supplied for 12. But at the 5,000, the bread went through a greater breaking. I mean, completely undone. The little boy's lunch just kept getting broken and broken and broken. When you say, God, I don't know if I could participate anymore, He breaks you a little more and He gives you, but it give, He gives you in equal measures to who He is blessing. There's some young people and there's individuals listening to me. God's put his hand on you and anointed you. Called you in the ministry. There are some of you in this room that God's calling to start a D group. Let me tell you something. When he puts his hand on you, he will bless you. But in measure of him pouring you out, he will also break you. And He'll pull everything out of you that's not of Him. But I promise you, nobody will go undone. Everywhere you go, He will use your brokenness in your life to feed someone. You may wonder why you've gone through the trial and tribulation and the hell that you went through. But I promise you this. God is not slack in his promises. He will come down and he will meet you in your brokenness and he will establish your goings and he will give you as an offering. He has seasoned you and you are the salt to feed a broken world. If you will participate. Come on and stand. I want to worship one more time. I'm going to go back into this. Father, I pray for this people. Lord, you alone are worthy to have our lives. Take us, fashion us, form us, do in us. what is fitting and well-pleasing to you. Lord we enter into this covenant where you've done your part and we must do our part. We enter into this covenant where we will be the salt of the earth. We enter into this covenant where you alone will be glorified in our life. You will break us and every part of us that is not like you, you will purge out. You will bring us into moments like this where we're uncomfortable only to expose an area in our heart that will participate in you and see you do surgery and remove that greed, remove that anger, remove that jealousy, remove that wound. You're doing this in our life. Do it in our people. Do it in those listening online. Use us for revival in Marion County. Use us for revival to the poverty-stricken, the addicted, those crooked businessmen and women, those who have the affluent, but their souls are empty. Those that have nothing and they're looking for help, the families that are destroying it. God, use us as the salt to season this community. Lord, we're tired of just going to church. We want to be the church. Empower us.
0: Amen. Well, we hope that this message has brought you hope and encouragement and it was just what you needed for today. If you're joining us today and we can partner with you in prayer in any way, it would be our honor. Please reach out to us by visiting our website, mycitylight.org. And lastly, if the Holy Spirit has laid it on your heart to give today, you can do that by visiting mycitylight.org and go to the giving tab or text any amount to 84321. Be blessed.